Hello and welcome to The Right Idea, where we discuss the people, policy, and politics that drive Texas. I'm your co-host, Brian Phillips. I'm the Chief Communications Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. With me, as always, is my co-host, Derek Cohen. He's our Vice President of Policy. And we are super excited today to have a special guest. Melissa Ford Maldonado is the Policy Director for our Secure and Sovereign Texas campaign. M- Melissa, welcome to the show. Happy Thank to have you. you. I think we're going to have a lot of fun me. today. Um, tell us a little bit about what Secure and Sovereign Texas is and what you guys yeah. are trying to do. So Secure and Sovereign Texas, it's relatively new here at TBPF, as you guys know. It was born out of a new need because before that we had the Right on Immigration campaign, right? Mm -hmm. Which aimed to fix the legal immigration system, but in... From sort of a D.C. perspective. Yeah, exactly. But there was a gap left and that was there's a real problem at the border. The federal government isn't doing anything about it. So let's create a campaign to see what Texas can do. to fix the, the crisis at the border. And so SST was born out of that, um, just to see what Texas can do to protect Texas citizens. Mm-hmm. And then we're kind of, we have, we're, we're under two umbrellas. So we have the border, and then we have Mexico policy, which we also work a lot in. So just looking at the relationship between the U.S. and Mexico, what can be done with the current dysfunction that is in there. Sure. And so, yeah, that's why SST was born. And so uh, the thing I like about it is it's not just the security part, like you mentioned several times um, about, you know, securing, but the sovereignty also, you know, right. uh, reinforcing federalism. I mean, it's still a concept in this in this country. Um, uh, so I like it uh, there as well. All right. So uh, so that's Secure and Sovereign Texas. And we're going to talk about probably the most important issue to Texans is, of course, border security and immigration. Right. We're going to get yeah. into that with you. A lot going on in that. Uh, so we'll probably spend most of the show talking about that. But as always, I like to start with something a little little bit of fun to get everybody's juices flowing and all of that. Uh, saw today that Subway, the the fast food chain, has decided that they're going to they have a contest that if you change your legal name to Subway, that you will receive free Subway for the rest of your life. Now, I'm going to assume that that's probably not something that either one of you would do unless you have just a secret uh, a passion for Subway. But is there something, I'm just curious, is there something that if you could receive something for the rest of your life for free, what you know? Is there something that you love so much that you change your name for it? Well, let me see. I can do the math there. Let's see. It's five dollars per foot long times. How many times a day? <laughs> no, I, I was I was thinking about this uh, when I saw that, but I think I did say what I'd probably go with would be uh, yeah, Derek Molson Coors. You know, a it sounds like aristocracy. Derek so, Molson oh. Coors, yeah. <laughs> and not okay. only that, but that's a really large brand portfolio that you'd have access to if the same uh, the same tenants apply. So you're going with the parent wow. company. So all of uh, the yeah. So you're not just going with Coors. You're going with like the full the full catalog. That sounds or, like cheating. Yeah. Well, and also like well, Thank Derek you. D. Agio sounds a little. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like like a stage name, you know. So I don't know if uh, I don't know if that would apply. You could go with something like Jack Daniels Phillips. That way, at least it's like yeah. you know, it's like a real yeah, name. You could you live know? with that. Yeah. For Didn't the they also? They had a competition um, where if you got a tattoo of a subway, you would get free subway for life. I think recently too. They uh, right now they still have that thing at Bangers where you can get the uh, free tattoo if you. Uh, it has to be like a neck tattoo or something. That's insane. Melissa, yeah. what would be yours? I don't know what my name would end up being, but maybe Chipotle. <laughs> Just because I, I spend way too much money there, I think I could eat it for every single meal. Uh, mine would probably be T-Box Phillips or something. It'd be, you know, free golf for life is probably what i do. All right. Okay. All right. So let's get into the more serious stuff. Um, I love talking about all that interesting stuff. But let's get into more serious stuff. Uh, as always, there's a little bit of a shameless plug at the very beginning. Um, we have a really popular newsletter. We'd love for you to join it if you're not already on it. It's called The Post. It's our weekly recap of kind of everything that's going on in Texas and stuff that we're commenting on. Um, I do a weekly column at the beginning, so there's some exclusive 
content. And you can sign up for the post at texaspolicy.com slash the post. Uh, you can find it there uh, and, and stay up to date uh, without having to do too much work on all things that are going on in Texas. All right. So we are going to get <clears throat> to a couple of topics. Uh, I want to recap. The border war is going to court. And we'll yep. kind of walk through kind of how we ended up in court, how the state of Texas ended up in court with the Biden administration. Um, turns out the border is secure. We heard from the the, the DHS uh, yeah. secretary. My job here is done. Yeah, you're done. So we are secure Congrats, and sovereign and you. fantastic. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to figure out something next for you to do. Um, also, Texas is the worst. Did y'all know that? Texas is the absolute worst mm. state in the co- in the in the country, uh, according to CN- CNBC. We'll unpack that a little bit. And then I know Derek is hot to talk about America's bravest congressman. Mm. America's bravest congressman is, is from right here, right here in the Austin area. True hero. And so we yeah. will uh, talk about that and maybe some other, the uh, other uh, sort of, of course, this is TPF. We've got to talk about parent empowerment. Uh, so uh, uh, we, we might get to that uh, at the at the end of the show. All right. So want to get right into it with Melissa. Um, Melissa, just briefly, if you could catch us up. I'm sure our audience is, you know, following along with this because they're smart folks. And of course, immigration and border security is the number one issue in Texas for all people, not just for conservatives or Republicans, yeah. uh, but for uh, for everybody in Texas, independents. Um, it is the number one issue. Um, so to get, just get us up to speed on kind of where we are and how um, uh, the governor landed in court. Yeah, so I think it was Thursday that this happened, that the federal government, the Justice Department, sent a letter to the governor threatening to sue because of these new, I think it's like a thousand meter floating buoy barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I had no idea what it looked like. I had to look up a picture to see what it looked like because I had never heard of this before. It kind of looks like those obstacles from that show Wipeout. Yeah, yeah, right? they're just like these floating buoys, like the kind of thing that you would see in a pool, but in a giant version. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was put in place in the river by the te- by Texas to prevent migrants from using the Rio Grande to cross into the U- into the U.S. illegally. Mm-hmm. And so the the federal government threatened the governor in Texas that they would sue, and they did indeed sue this week. And so they're suing. Texas for doing a job that they should be doing and that the people of Texas and the people of the U.S. have been begging the federal government mm-hmm. to step up to. So it's very interesting. They uh, they have this kind of dog in the manger attitude. They don't allow Texas to do anything about, about it, but they also don't do anything about it. Right. And so and of the course lawsuit, our communities are suffering all along the border. Right, right. But they're saying that the new buoy system poses a threat to navigation, um, the flow of waters, and that they should have asked for permission to the mm-hmm. Army Corps of Engineers, which as a lot of us know, it's very expensive to do that. It takes a very long time. And the federal government has not been doing anything, mm-hmm. even though Texas has been begging them to for a really long time. Derek, um, your thoughts on sort of the the response from Texas on this? You know the 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 governor put it out there. You know usually had we we've we've tested this and 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 anything that the governor can do to to shore up the border has been getting a lot of support. Um, and so he was you know go, being very aggressive to Melissa's point about us doing something to protect our communities. Texas doing something. Uh, you know the 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 DOJ comes out and says, hey, if you don't stop this, you know we're going to come and sue you. And the, the governor put out a statement, basically said, pound sand. Yeah. Well, and you know, you and I have discussed this before. I don't know what other options there are. I mean, we're like two away from sharks with lasers on their heads, it Mm -hmm. seems, is going to be. I mean, freshwater sharks, of course. Um, (laughs) Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe like brackish water, but we can talk about the different uh, salinity (laughs) issues uh, later on. But all that to say is... I don't know what they expected. And, you know, we're going to talk about uh, Mayorkas' 
comments late, yes, later right on. Now. But this is this willful obstinance on doing anything on the border is just it, it perpetuates, you know. And so when Abbott, you know, does something that, you know, puts a modicum of obstruction in the process, you know, like, again, we're still talking about standing as the tide's coming in and holding like a bucket trying to keep it from happening. You know, that should, you know, again, we all want it. But the courts are going to probably take a look at this and say, well, you know, it's against, you know, the navigable waterways. And, and that's a, even though the area it is, is not very uh, not very deep nor navigable nor areas around that are navigable. But I'll say that's just a pretext for actually getting this into court. And, you know, as we know, you know, there's going to be a uh, I would say a, probably a take very similar uh, from the court, uh, depending on how much they air to Arizona v. Uh, U.S., but that being said is I, you know, regardless of how this turns out, I don't know what else the governor has uh, at his disposal because um, absent, uh, you know, an actual federal concerted effort that would include some foreign policy elements. I don't see how we get this done. Yeah. And I want to ask Melissa about that real quick. Um, you know, the, my, my take on it is, look, the, the border is not a finish line. Right. Like it's a very difficult trek. We understand that, that it's I mean, there's all kind of humanitarian issues with how the cartels treat the, the, the folks that they're transporting and all that. But but just because you make it to right. the Rio Grande doesn't mean that we, you know, that we cut the ribbon when you get over here. I mean, there is, you know, the wire and the, the buoys and obviously personnel and the technology and all the barriers and the unfinished wall. I mean, you know, we're still trying to keep people out and deter them um, from going, you know, between from, the ports of entry. Yeah, exactly. Between the ports of entry. And, and one of the things that the governor said, which I just thought was total fire is he said, look, no one drowns on a bridge. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is also a humanitarian uh, uh, move is to is to I mean, when we say deter, we're we're serious. You know, we don't want people. I mean, even buoyless uh, waters, people go into them and they drown. And we've seen you know, the horror stories from some of the migrants have lost just trying to cross a river with nothing in it. Um, and so, you know, to his point, nobody drowns crossing a bridge. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's trying to do the humanitarian thing to get people to to go. You know, if they believe they have legitimate asylum claims to go and do it the right way. One of the one of the. Um, Man, this this just tone deaf uh, administration, Melissa. Um, one of the, here's their concern with with the buoys and their sort of legal case or whatever. But I want to get you to react to the last thing that they say, which is which is its effect on foreign policy and what Mexico thinks about this. They said the floating barrier poses threats to navigation and public safety and presents humanitarian concerns. That's what Derek said already. Additionally, the presence of the floating barrier has prompted diplomatic protests in oh Mexico. My gosh. The Mexicans don't like it. Uh-oh. Uh, and then, quote, risks damaging U.S. foreign policy. What has been the Mexican reaction to the the uh, to the buoys? And what's your, you know, what, yeah. what should be our response? Yeah, yeah. And, and real quick, I just want to add that Texas can, right? I think a lot of people are saying, like, yes, Texas is doing this. We're not supporting this because it's illegal, because that would be very hypocritical of us to go after illegal immigration and then say, like, it's okay for us to it's act illegally. Texas can do this. Like the the 10th Amendment says that we are sovereign entities, one. And then also Article 1, Section 10, we have the power to defend our territory. And then also our governor is our commander in chief. Like there's a lot to unpack. I'd be happy to link some things so people can read into it. I know we're not trying to go too deep into it, but Texas can defend itself. Oh, this is this is um, nerd territory right here. Get as deep as you need to get. I mean, people love that stuff. And then what you were saying about you know, the the fact that the buoys are being called inhumane. I just I really want to keep going on that because I think 
people don't think about the alternative, you know, and is the alternative humane? It's not. It actually perpetuates suffering. It gives a lot more power to the cartels mm -hmm. to be able to exploit and endanger people. And before these buoys were even put in place to begin with, the Texas-Mexico border was already the most dangerous land crossing in the world. And there was people dying left and right, people left by the cartels in the heat, mm -hmm. people already drowning in the river. And so, as you say, this is actually a humane thing so that people go through points of entry and it doesn't interfere with immigration because mm -hmm. people can still come in and should come in and claim asylum if they want to. Mm -hmm. And so just wanted to say what you were yeah. saying is, is very true. But on the topic of Mexico and our great diplomatic relations, it's very <laughs> funny to me to see that they are now coming out and like invoking all of these treaties and agreements when they have not been willing to work at all or so cooperate suddenly with the, the treaties US. matter to them right yeah suddenly it's the you know they want to work with us but they have completely ceased all cooperation with the united states especially under the recent administration the current administration of um amlo mm -hmm. and there is manuel lopez obrador and so now they're coming out when they've been giving an opportunity to work with the U.S. for so long, for years, uh, people, even on the Mexico side, have been asking for help with the border, which is a border we both share, both countries share it. Right. That's a really good point. The people of Mexico don't want this either. They see no. the violence on their side of the border as well. Yeah. Recently, the, um, you know, Ciudad Juarez, where it meets with El Paso, their governor, her name's Maru Campos, she's dealing with a lot of the migration that's coming through Mexico. And Mexico has kind of become this doormat, a lot of people call it, because of all the people that are coming, not just from Mexico, but from all around the world and using Mexico to go into the U.S. And so their governor recently asked the president, begged the president, sent it in a letter saying, like, we can't handle the flow of migrants. Like, please help us. We need to do something about mm -hmm. this because they're suffering, too. Yeah. But... Um, in response to that, the government said, like, we will not do anything to stop the free passage of migrants through Mexico. You know, we are a country with open doors and we will do what to, what we need to do to enable our foreign brothers to come and pass through Mexico if they want to. Also, we're not we're not the United States migration police. <laughs> so, again, like they've been given plenty of opportunities to help us manage the border we share, both countries share. And they have just completely neglected that responsibility as well. So Interesting that they're shirking uh, responsibility for enforcing laws in the other country when they make uh, particular demands on our Second Amendment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And, and just one more thing I want to keep talking about is we don't have... This is something we say all the time in SST. It's like become a logo, but we don't have a partner in Mexico right now. Mm -hmm. We have a partner in the Mexican people, but we don't have a partner in the Mexican government right now. And there's so much that I could say on this. I don't have all day, <laughs> but just a few things is... Um, okay, here's something recent that I'll say. I think it was like two weeks ago, AMLO was asked in a press conference what he was willing to do to end all of the disappearances. Because I don't know if you guys knew this, but AMLO's presidency right now is the the most violent presidency in mo modern Mexican Which history. Which is really saying something. Yeah, with his policy <laughs> of like hugs, not bullets, right? But it, there is a disappearance at, Every hour, I think, under AMLO, which is insane. I'll have to check that stat and send no, it to you guys. No, I think that's right. I think we But I we think that's that, right, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. The disappearance mm -hmm. every hour. And there is, like, obviously so much violence, um, so many murders that go unaccounted for. And so he, he was asked about this, and he was saying, like, what are you willing to do to stop this problem? 
And he said publicly that he would be willing to work with the cartels to form some sort of social pact. To, to continue to work with the cartels. To then. continue. Yeah. Yes, of course. But he had never, you know, admitted something like that publicly. Wow. But he said like that he would be willing to work with them to achieve some sort of social pact to end the violence. Mm -hmm. And so that alongside with so much other evidence, he's never said a single bad word about the cartels. So it's evident that he is working with them. He would much rather cooperate with the cartels than with the United States. So we have no partner in Mexico. And they've also failed in their duty to make sure that they their land does not become a breeding ground for terrorist activity or become, you know, a breeding ground for dangerous activity towards the U.S., they have completely failed in that. Right. It's not just the cartels and smuggling drugs and, and, and humans over and all the violence that comes with that. I mean, it could be a breeding ground for international terrorism oh, if it's become essentially a narco state where anybody with money or guns can come in and set yeah. up shop. I mean, 35 to 40 percent of Mexico cartels call all the shots. Things like potholes, like the little things to the big things, they're basically the government there. And then recently, our um, former secretary and CIA director, Mike Pompeo, he wrote a book. Josh and I were talking about it recently. It's called Never Give an Inch. And he goes into detail there about the poses, the, the threats posed by the U.S.-Mexico border and all these he calls them undergoverned spaces, where basically there is no government and how those spaces are becoming complete breeding grounds for terrorist activity from people in the Middle East, Hezbollah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, all of these yeah. that maybe the counterterrorism efforts in their country are getting too heavy for them to bear. And so these, you know, these ungoverned spaces are huge threats to the U.S. It's terrifying. It seems like something out of a movie. Right. But it's real. And so Mexico has failed to be a partner to the U.S. on all fronts. And so it's funny they're now invoking, you know, all these treaties, treaties and agreements yeah. and acting like they want to work with us when they haven't and they don't. I, th I think it bears mentioning, though, because you, you really hit the nail on the head that. You know, when we hear the the left talk about anything or, or opine on the policies that, that your particular uh, campaign uh, discusses and puts out, we get to a point where it's just like, oh, well, you're, it's just, you know, jingoistic racism that you want to see all these people drown in the river or, you know, get hung up on buoys and, and stuff like that. But they are, are serving as useful idiots for the people that are – and useful idiots is a term of art, of course, um, because, yeah. you know, I don't think they're that useful. So, but um, all that to say is but they're serving that role for nefarious interests yeah. and not even coming to the policy discussion from an honest place. And so the fact that AMLO is, you know, referring to the cartels like they're the Rotary Club, you know, you know that's – you know, while that's to be expected from his geopolitical incentive structure, you know, I, you know, I still question why we have folks on this side of the Rio Grande that hold the takes that they do, specifically in the areas of immigration and border security. And speaking of takes on this side of the of the Rio Grande, um, the DHS secretary, Department of Homeland Security Secretary uh, Alejandro, is it Mayorkas? Mm -hmm. Uh, was in front of Congress yesterday, or at least for, in front of the Oversight Committee. Uh, and there were a lot of tough questions that were asked uh, of him. You watched the proceedings. Yeah. What is your overall impression of, of the job that the <sighs> DHS secretary is doing? Um, I think you, you let on what you might, what you, uh, how you might feel about that with that big sigh. <laughs> doing better than a press secretary. You got to give him that. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you guys see what he said yesterday? About tell us what. Tell us he, what, you, what okay. you saw. So this this gives me so much like secondhand embarrassment. First of all, because it's to anybody so blatantly untrue. And so he said yesterday that under his tenure. Um, 
cartels are now in Mexico weaker than ever. I did not see that. Which, I'm sure the yeah. media avoided that headline. So the of cartels course, in yeah. Mexico, are, who are now hand in hand with the president there, are now weaker under the Biden administration. And and the Biden administration is who we have to thank for the cartels now being, honestly, they are richer, they are more armed, and they are bolder than ever. And that is thank you to the current administration. And just being able to say something like that publicly is just so embarrassing for them because mm-hmm. everybody knows, like everybody knows that the Biden administration has created a border, a weak border, uh, an open border that has caused the cartels to thrive. I mean, they're making more money than ever off of drugs, off of smuggling mm-hmm. and um, billions of dollars. I mean, when you do the yeah. math, it's staggering. I mean, some of these cartels would be, you know, like some of the Forbes 500 largest yeah. corporations. No, if and they... That, they run that way. <laughs> they're like a billion dollar company. They run like it's a, a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. And, and they are the most well-funded criminal organization in the entire world. And they've only gotten rich they've only gotten bolder and it's just it's so absolutely uh, shocking to see the statements that he made and, and business is apparently good according to um, our, our stats that we looked up 1.7 million migrant encounters in 2021 over yeah. 2.4 million in 2022 um, yeah. you know how can how can the secretary who is supposed to be in charge of who's overseen that yeah. and in charge of that um, you know <laughs> I don't know, Derek. <laughs> I don't know if you watched it yesterday. You, you said you were watching the UFO uh, hearings yesterday, which is also very important because uh, that's a different type of alien. But, but uh, we'll throw. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking at his paper. He did not have that written waiting down. Waiting all day to use that one. No, that one just came to me. But I mean, just the the politics of this stuff. I mean, they've talked about impeaching Mayorkas. Um, you know, is that is that something that that can happen? Would that even matter under this president? Yeah, I mean, should he be impeached? Absolutely. Will he be impeached? Maybe. Will anything happen over on the Senate side? Absolutely not. And I think that that's because if you look at the cabinet level positions uh, appointed by uh, President Biden, I mean, I, you know, Tom Vilsack's doing a decent job at AG, and that's about and that's about it. <laughs> that it, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, energy it, not so good. Yeah, it, it, you know, I think I think a lot of. Um, you know, I think a lot was made of uh, President Trump's uh, hiring ability that I think, you know, sometimes doesn't withstand the light of day. Uh, present company excluded, obviously, Melissa. Um, <laughs> Melissa used to work but, at the White House, so yeah, yeah. we throw that out there. But, I mean, you know, Scaramucci, <laughs> we, we, we can go on, right? But, <laughs> but but that being said is, it. but still, that cabinet was still so far leaps and bounds better than the one we have now. His inner circle was just, you know, like a gang of bums, you know? You got, mm-hmm. I mean... Again, you have Mallorca saying that the uh, don't worry, the border is closed, and it's oh like, oh, well, the border being closed. Okay, well, we can finally move on it. to the next thing. Let's yeah, and then about... you have, you have Curry and Jean Pierre that actually make me, you know, made me think, man, come back, Jen Psaki, all is forgiven, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. And, and it's just it's we get to this point. <laughs> Do a sort of the miss me yet meme yeah, yeah. from, from Psaki. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because <laughs> you know what, she was at least a very good liar. Like, like you'd get like halfway, you'd get halfway down the path. She was leading you, and then you'd be like, "Hey, wait a minute." Yeah. Where, uh, you know, for example, uh, with, you know, I, I can't think of a, a specific example off the top of my head because I try not to watch White House press conferences. But they'd be like, "Yeah, you know what we found when we're talking about the buoys in the Rio Grande is that water's wet." She's like, "Well, actually, it's a common misconception." And then she'll do <laughs> a half hour on why water's actually dry, and then at the end, you're like, "Were, were we supposed to be convinced by that?" And <laughs> 
And, and again, then, you know, we'll no, do something in the whole narrative. It's changes. unconscionable, and I think, you know, the, the fact is it doesn't even pass the laugh test, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, for, for someone to stand up there. And, it, and you guess you, you kind of assume that they're going to have to stand up there and say this, right? Like, you know they're going to have to come in. The president's always going to say, you know, the state of the union is strong despite all yeah. the, you know, evidence against it. Um, but something like that, you'd think they'd have at least a little better answer. Yeah. You know, what, what do you believe? My words are your own line eyes. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, it's, it's shocking, but it's not surprising at all because for the last couple of years they have not been able to look at the border crisis in the eye and they are working what I think is probably the largest cover-up in American history with what's happening at the border. Well Chad Wolf the former former DHS secretary yeah. um, has said that they're cooking the books that in fact what they did was they, they, they didn't change the law to make it harder to get in. They changed the law to simply allow more people to get in the legal yeah. way and go, you know, basically go across the bridge and then they get to they get to stay. And I won't go through all the Super details. Super duper secret parole. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I won't go through all the details of, of how that works. We get a little bit in the weeds. But that's basically what they're doing is they're just changing the definitions or change or creating these new programs that say, oh, no, basically skirts current law and allows people to come here under parole. Mm-hmm. And so you have less, you know crossings or less illegal crossings because you just made people who used to be illegal are now legal. Yeah, or they release, like, they'll release numbers of how immigration has dropped right. maybe at certain like ports of entry but they don't account for all of the immigration and all of the abuse and mistreatment of migrants that's going on within ports of entry and I just I wanted to share a quick poll that I saw with you guys uh, that I thought was very relevant to what the secretary said yesterday and it's that the majority of Americans it's over 61 percent believe that the Mexican drug cartels have more control of the border than the current administration. And so I think that goes to show what a bad job they're truly doing, um, that the majority of Americans would think that. And so for him to be up there and be basically like patting himself on the back while no American believes this is is, is just absolutely outrageous. Jump into those numbers. I mean, 60, there's not 61 percent of the country is not, you know, anti-Biden Republican. I mean, so there's a significant, uh, significant portion of those folks who are the uh, the Biden audience, who are people who are Biden supporters, who with their own eyes um, and limited ability to see, you know, you're in you're an insider. You think about this stuff every single day but average americans are seeing this too um and yeah. people who supported the president are seeing this and that's how you get to a number like 61 percent of americans um right. are, are you know think that the, the cartels have more control which they is, just assume it's the status quo the cartel they know that the cartels have operational control of the border well and so, it, with millions of people coming across how could you not i mean right okay and just last thing i think in light of that i want to bring up like go back to the governor and just say like I think we should all admire what he's doing um He's taken every single step, even unconventional steps that he's been able to take constitutionally to secure our border for this very reason mm-hmm. and I think people are very quick to jump in and like throw shade at Operation Lone Star but I think people need to recognize that Operation Lone Star has been extremely successful for, from a law enforcement perspective, and nobody can deny that. They have apprehended so many criminals, terrorists. They've seized so many drugs. I think the number right now is at 418 million. Mm, it's over 418 million. It's over million. 400, yeah. yeah it's over that, because this is an old number that I have. So it's way over that, which is enough to kill every man, woman, and child in the whole United States. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but... 
you know, all of the, the guns they've seized, all the things that they've seized at, at the border, how could anyone say that that's unsuccessful? I mean, the the amount of drugs and the amount of overdoses that we have here and what Operation Lone Star has been able to stop is, is amazing. And so I just wanted to say that. And also, and I think that this is where, again, the left has largely abandoned the field. What's their alternative? And is that alternative saying, oh, well, we need, you know, more you know, legal immigration, because it's like, yeah, there's a lot of people even on the right that agree with that. But that is an, that is a after the fact post hoc rationalization if you don't even have a secure border on which to base that particular policy change. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I thank you, Melissa, for uh, saving that segment because I was trying to end up on a positive note and I really didn't have anywhere to <laughs> go you. because it, thank you. <laughs> no, but that's a great way to, to, to put a bow on that um, is that the fact is that the, the governor has been very aggressive um, and despite the the media trying to poo-hoo the efforts and and, uh, and ignore the failures of the Biden administration, um, it has been successful. It has uh, it has had uh, tremendous results and, and probably saved countless lives as a result. Um, all right, so we'll get to a couple other issues, um, uh, some things that just kind of rolling around the, uh, the 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 media and in the state. Um, one of the big things uh, that came out a couple weeks ago is uh, CNBC has a ranking of the best business states in Texas, or sorry, in, in the country, the best business states in the country. Um, but of course, like anything else that the, that the left controls, they have to destroy it with all of their woke garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Texas somehow, even though it's the, the one of the best business states, uh, and we'll get into kind of why that is, uh, now says that Texas is one of the worst states to live in, that they're kind of pushing um, this idea that, you know, even though Texas has a really robust economy and people are tripping over themselves to, to get here and move here, uh, it's actually one of the worst states to live in. Um, and here's the rationale now for it. Essentially, they have this category called life, health, and inclusion, which that should be your first red flag, which life, health, and inclusion are just are misnomers. They're, actually, what they mean is our abortion laws, Medicaid expansion, and then, of course, transgender agenda and issues that, that we're conservatives here in Texas, and so we're pro-life. We don't support um, big government takeovers of health care, and, of course, we don't support and have actively opposed the transgender agenda here in Texas. And so that makes it the worst place to live. Derek, just your initial thoughts on, on this kind of stuff, because it used to be a pretty credible list. And so my point is, is that is that it did take it, what there were objective measures as right. to why Texas was a, a leading state in the economy. And they even admit Texas is still the number two best state in the in the in the country for the economy. But but you get this this leftist push and now all of a sudden it just waters down and makes this sort of ranking meaningless. Well, you know, recording this in late July, if you told me the Weather Channel came out and said that Texas is the worst state to live, I'd, I'd say, <laughs> let them speak. Here them up, right? <laughs> but, but that being said, is this, it, again, you, you mentioned the word objective within your uh, detailing the criteria that are used to make this particular ranking. And what is objective about some of these categories and the inclusion categories? Because here's the thing, if I ran a business and I was a uh, and I was looking for a place to relocate or looking if a uh, relocation would benefit the bottom line, you know, to do uh, the fiduciary responsibility to shareholders, you know, Granted, we're getting we can go on the whole ESG thing as y'all did last uh, show, and we (laughs) have done many times in the past. But even with that, you know, the best return on investment is still going to be Texas. Now, there are things that Texas needs to fix uh, in I would say in the business space. You know, not only the tax climate could always be improved, even though it's uh, pretty good and has gotten better recently. Uh, We do need to uh, make sure the grid is more robust than it is currently, so that if you're coming here to run your widget factory, that you can still produce widgets, you know, on peak time demand. 
But all that to say is this other stuff, this stuff that is, you know, thought to be quality of life, these are divisive issues. You know, I remember you were going through that polling and these are not issues that, the issues that are going into that criteria are not the issues that animate the average Texan. These are basically things that they say, oh, well, you know, this is a bad thing to do. And like, look, you might have individual employees for which that is true, but that not only that, but like, there are very limited um, areas in which Texas engages in what what one would consider the you know the culture wars or the, mm-hmm. the you know stuff that would go into this category versus what we see in other states. Whether you're talking about the antithesis of some of our policies, uh, you know, abortion up to and sometimes after birth, you know, talking about state funded transgender, you know, there's a, there's another side of that coin. Yeah. And scoring the, the states with those people are not flocking there. You know, one other thing I'll say on this. Uh, because I did see somebody came out uh, in the wake of this report saying, look, well, you know, uh, I can't remember the company's name, but so-and-so moved to New York. That was because they got a handout package that would have made Scrooge McDuck blush. And like, that's, you know, look, we can't control other states wanting to, hand- I know that was a lot of the animating discussion when the, the whole re-invi- the revitalization of uh, chapter 313 that, that, that went through. And you're never going to be able to outspend with other people's money but and get everybody happy. But what we can do is keep the playing field as low and as level as possible so that everyone can come here for their widget factories and, you know, and make those Compete widgets. Compete with uh, widget competitions. Um, yeah. and, and that level playing field is, is one of the reasons why people are moving yeah. here. And, and Melissa, as we mentioned, you were a, a D.C. swamp rat like I was oh, a, yeah. a recovering, sorry, yeah. a recovering uh, D.C. swamp rat just like me. Uh, so I'm, I'm in that boat as well. When you were looking around, you know, looking at jobs and places to come, and did you did you look at Texas and think, you know, that's oh, yeah. just a, that's just a, not a place that I think I oh. could, that, <laughs> that I think that I think I would want to live because it looks like the one of the worst states in Texas. I'm telling you, at the time we were living in D.C., D.C. was awful to live in, especially <laughs> post COVID. Like it was terrible. I remember that you couldn't go to restaurants, you couldn't walk outside without a face mask on, like post COVID. And meanwhile, the mayor was throwing like huge birthday parties. I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys remember that, no, but it makes I, all the sense I remember the at the time everybody was talking about moving to Texas. Everybody. Like all of my friends in D.C. Yeah. And so a lot of them did, actually, not just me. But I moved to California first. Like, I've I've lived in a lot of places. you are recovering in in many different ways. So I I can... You got here eventually. Yeah, eventually (laughs) I made it here. But I can tell you, like, Texas is the best place that I've ever lived. And people are still moving here like crazy. So that says a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of us, we're not Texan. You guys aren't Texan. I was born here, but but again, I spent 20 years in and out of D.C. And then you had to move here. Like We all made the willing decision to move here because we value other things a little bit more than maybe like LGBT inclusivity, um, such as like economic opportunity. And it's rankings are a funny thing because I, I see this ranking, but I also recently saw rankings about how even just the Austin area is the best place to live right now for rent affordability and job opportunities and so well and that's what and one of the things if you actually look at the details of of their study or whatever you 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 know that what they're doing is they're taking the what used to be a credible objective analysis of states and they're pushing this woke ideology into it because they're they're essentially trying to use the credibility of what credibility it had to try and 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 coerce states like texas to adopt these left-wing policies right and and digging into the numbers the reality is texans actually support all of these policies right i mean texans are the majority 
majority of Texans do support restrictions on abortion. The ones that are here and the ones that are moving. <laughs> yeah, and that so all the te- you know Texans do support this. We do tons of polling, as I've always mentioned. Texans do support these policies that they object to. Second of all, so do non-Texans because they right. you know we've got millions and millions. There was a yeah. report again that came right up right after this um, of um, uh, from Bloomberg saying that that the Southeast is now the juggernaut, the economic juggernaut in the United States, and it's in the places that used to be like the Northeast are losing out. We've got two two 2.2 million people that have moved here in the last couple of years, bringing $100 billion of, of income with them. Meanwhile, states like New York and New Jersey that have the policies that CNBC likes are losing $60 billion in the last two years. And so people are voting with their feet. And so this is just another nonsense, you know, left-wing push. Uh, well, I'll say, you know, I think CNBC would be better served if they just broke that out as a separate ranking and say like you know this is the you know the 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 woke nonsense index or whatever the case you'd call it and you know we'd come in you know i i'd still have to think that you know maybe alabama mississippi would adjust but you know we'll say we'll be in the top 45 um but that being said is you know contrast that with the states that would score very highly there and then see if that actually has any sort of correlation with economic performance because i think much like you laid out i think that those are wholly distinct phenomena and people are voting on the parts that are uh, inclu- are not included within that woke side. All right. All right. We only have a couple minutes left, and so I definitely want to get to an issue uh, that we wanted to laugh about, um, <laughs> is that uh, one of Texas congressmen, or one of Texas's congressmen, um, just completed a thirst strike uh, in solidarity with this nonsense policy, this nonsense issue that we've been talking about, this, uh, you know, not allowing water breaks in Texas. We have, we've talked about the Death Star bill. They, the left has turned this into a complete ridiculous issue, claiming that, that the Death Star bill will essentially lead to, you know, preventing, ta- preventing uh, wa- water breaks from construction workers and the, the heat, you know, in Texas heat, and people are going to die, and people are going to get heat exhaustion, and so on and so forth. Of course, we've laid all this out. It's a complete non-issue. People aren't dying from from uh, from heat exhaustion, even though 93% of the state is not covered under an ordinance. We don't have bodies falling uh, and, or, or water breaks being denied to workers and so on and so forth. So the issue is, Derek, that, uh, that Congressman Kassar, who basically represents from Austin uh, to, to San Antonio, had a thirst strike. Mm. Uh, turns out his thirst strike lasted eight hours. Oh. In solidarity with all of those non-workers you know, who are not uh, not dying, um, pure theater here. Well, it's funny because I, I remember coming across an article in you know the again the troglodytic right-wing knuckle-dragging publication, The Nation, that actually called it overdramatic. And so I, I don't know I don't know how else to say it. I mean, basically, you have Greg Kassar, who is basic tra- thinks he's Gandhi, but more of like a Wish.com Gandhi, and he <laughs> makes this whole theatrical thing like I will not you know until the you know nurses say that I must I will not imbibe uh, you know water or to, and, it, and then he, then like you look like seven you know seven and a half hours later and he's like I did it you know yeah right and like you know I, I made the observation that like if you're if you're seminal like attention getting achievement in Congress for that granted I'll, I'll give I'll give him his due it is his first term I'm sure he has many more bad ideas for subsequent ones oh great but you know if the, if your if your big you know milestone achievement is not is basically skipping lunch to protest a law that hasn't taken effect yet that invalid that again is a ancillary aside 
invalidates an ordinance that never was enforced. Mm-hmm. Like, th- we, like this is slacktivism at its best. Like, yeah. I mean, even like the the squad men. I, I, turns out he is in the squad, so I can't make that joke. But it turns out even people in the squad are like, you know, you can't even like fake having some skin in this game. It's at like twenty four hours doing something. Yeah. And he only said water and food. I mean, does that? You know, it doesn't mean everything. So he could probably have had some kind of well. I mean, uh, in, in, nutrients. In, you know, I mean, <clears throat> in the Jewish culture, you start, uh, you know, like Yom Kippur fast at like thirteen. And it's 24 hours. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like you're-, you're Even one- intermittent fasting, yeah. I think you go for a little bit longer Yeah, you're that. one third of the way there, guy. So, Melissa, next time you skip lunch, you can you can say it was in solidarity of some cause um, I, yeah. uh, or something. <laughs> and, and, and those of us with young kids, I mean, we go, we easily go eight yeah. hours or more. Well, that's without... what people on Twitter were saying. They were like <laughs> congratulating him and saying he should get a trophy for existing between like early lunch and right. late dinner. Well, yeah. see, if you're, but if you're a, you know, like if you're a witness at like a text ledge here, like oh you, yeah you can go with yeah. that like i mean you can go in the same seat for, right. you know for, for 10, 10 12 hours yeah. at a time yeah bring bring a bag of chips or something with but then you. again they yeah. do legislating up there he's only experienced the austin city council and Congress. does this melissa does this sort of political looking at the political question there does this just feed cynicism into these political antics this is the kind of thing because i yeah. I've, you know, I've made comments on this show tons i just i just think washington is fundamentally broken you said it was a disaster when you were up there and we're happy oh, to yeah. leave is it, this is the kind of thing that especially at the federal level just feeds into the cynicism people have about politics and what they're doing up there one thousand percent um <laughs> i think you know like when i got married my husband didn't know much about politics now he's very into it and he it's like the first thing that he asked me and he's just constantly baffled by the things that we deal <laughs> Poor with David. yeah Poor but, David. <laughs> so i think absolutely Shout out, though. and yeah and i think that a lot of the things we deal with here have even because i grew up in bolivia they've even made me look at bolivia in a new light oh, because wow. we're totally dysfunctional <laughs> socialist government like we were you know 14 years with a dictator but we still don't have these issues wow america I think it worse shows... than bolivia no <laughs> well that's <laughs> no, the jury the rankings def- on that definitely not <laughs> yeah, I just what's cnbc think gonna say about that we still don't we still don't deal with like the funny issues and like even a lot of the serious issues like you, you know I saw that you wanted to talk about like some of the issues with like porn in schools. Yeah, like, right. just I guess made me grateful that a lot of that has not gotten to Bolivia yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. And, and I did want to talk about some of those parent empowerment issues, but we are short on time. So, but I'm glad we went over. We talked a lot about border yeah. security. Again, if you're not talking about border security and, and immigration, you're not talking to Texans for sure, and you're not talking to the majority of the country who care about this issue as the number one issue. So, thank you for being on today, Melissa. We yeah, really appreciate you being me. here. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, so that that does it for today's show. Um, again, we really appreciate all the all the listeners and all the watchers. If you want to get in touch with um, Derek and I, of course, we're on Twitter. I'm at B Phil. Derek is at Cohen at TPPF. Is that right? Cohen at TPPF. Um, I'll, I'll write that down someday. Um, uh, so we really appreciate you listening and watching. Um, if you have any feedback for us, you can catch us there. We'd love to get your comments and questions and any issues that you think we should cover. Uh, so until next time, do good and risk the consequences. <laughs>